You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. It is an awesome to just pause for a minute and reflect on all the cool things that God has done over the last year. You know, this is good for you to do even in your personal life. We get so busy and so focused and we're running and doing so many things that if we're not careful, we won't take the time to reflect and celebrate the things that God has done. Sometimes we focus so much on what he hasn't that we miss what he has. And so to see that just really inspires me. It, it just fires me up for what God has done this year. And, and so today is Vision Sunday. I want to talk a little bit uh, more about what God has done in the last year and also spend some time talking about what we believe uh, we want to see him do in, in, in the vision, the direction of our church in the next year. And so if you're a first-time guest or maybe the first time uh, in a long time, uh, this is a little bit different service than what we uh, usually do. But I can promise you this, God's Spirit is here. Wasn't that worship awesome? Uh, wasn't that music just incredible? Just the, and, 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 and God's presence is just here. And, and so... You know, one of the great things that we did this past year is we gathered for one service. Feels like 10 years ago, but uh, it was in 2015. We went to one service at the Clayton Center because we had never worshiped together. Just uh, we, We'd been in multiple services for so long. And we'd never been in an auditorium large enough to hold us. And so we went there to kind of catch a vision for what it would look like and feel like. And so that was an incredible day for us. As a, you know, over 800 people there that day, just an inspiring day. Who could forget Easter this year? I mean, how cool was it to be on Maryville's football field and celebrate Jesus on, on, on that field? What an incredible, absolute awesome day. They told me that 1,900 people were there, but I don't know who counted, but I could have swore I saw 2,000, but we won't go there. Baptizing 74 people in one stinking day who gave their life to Christ, turned it over to him, went public with their faith. How awesome is that? Yeah. Just amazing. Um, our student ministry this past year led 110 teenagers to Jesus Christ. How awesome is that? Are you kidding me? 110 students here in our city now know Jesus and, and, and are connecting and, and growing. And, and it's just a, a God's spirit working. I, I can't imagine that's just going to grow, guys. That's just going to continue to inspire young people to follow Christ. And so what God is doing here is incredible. We've sent out 40 people this year overseas so we, we went to the DR, we went to Haiti, uh, took, I took a team to Haiti, so uh, I'm sorry, uh, Kenya. And so we had 40 people uh, overseas, God changing life. So it's not just about here, it's about bigger picture global as well as God is building his kingdom. Obviously the worship album was incredible. Uh, that again, to me, that feels like ages ago, but um, we're, we're gonna do another live recording uh, this spring. And so put that on your calendar in March, excited about that, but God is using that worship album to, to draw people to Jesus and, and to draw people to our church. I think it's an incredible um, uh, thing that God has done this year. A lot of people don't know about our MDO program. So that MDO program, um, you know, takes care and, and equips and, 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 and gets uh, our preschoolers ready for school. But even more importantly, uh, MDO lays that groundwork foundation for, for our kids spiritually. And so um, I, I love that. That's one of the, the best arms that we have in the community uh, right now. And um, you may not know this, but we actually, you know, we're, we're, we're state approved. We were certified by the state and, and we're a three-star organization, all right? I'm just going to tell you, that's a big deal in this world. <laughs> Seriously, it's a big deal. Like, like there's only like one other three-star and it's not a Christian organization. So I'm just telling you, if your kids are in another uh, program, 
you ought to take a second look. Uh, because what we got here and what God is doing here is pretty stinking amazing. Three stars. You, you can't beat that. So um, that's the highest, by the way. Um, so we, we were able to, to, to pack 4,000 backpacks for kids in need. You know, how, how amazing that is that like, people volunteering and coming and kids are doing that. Moms and dads, families serving God in that way. That was an incredible uh, part as well. Renovated part of Kids Street, which was uh, so helpful for the kids. Compassion Sunday was incredible. 2,400 people came through the Compassion Experience, exposing them to poverty all over the world. And what we did as a church, 235 children now have the hope of Jesus. They have education they have godly leaders in their life. Man, we, we are transforming their life. And so 235 kids, that was an incredible, powerful day that I'm, I'm super proud of. We broke 1,000 people for the first time. Like Easter, big days, we broke 1,000, so that wasn't that big a deal. But like on a normal average day this fall, we broke 1,000, so that was a huge mile marker. We've been right at that number uh, ever since. And so God continuing to bless in that way. Our Kid Street Director, uh, you guys know Jenny Haynes, she just got married this year and now she's about to have uh, her first child and, and uh, she decided that she was going to focus a little bit more on her family with this baby coming and so she's going to go part-time as a receptionist. And then so we hired Patrick Weigel to be our Kid Street Director, going to do an incredible job, great leader, great young leader that God has just gifted in, in, in huge ways so Kid Street's going to continue to flourish. Um, I've hired a, a, a young leader by the name of Taylor Knight who's going to come and be our creative pastor in two weeks. He's going to oversee media. He's going to oversee communication. He's also going to be our college pastor. So if you're in college, you're going to really enjoy him. He and his wife, Victoria, are an amazing couple. And uh, God's hand has been uh, on them for a long time. They're coming from a church in Chicago. Excited about that. Man, excited about Lance Irwin, one of the, the smartest guy on our staff, by the way. And um, he's moving from communication to actually the journey director. So that's overseeing Base camp, camp two, camp three, helping you get connected to base camp and then helping you get to camp two, helping you get to camp three and discovering your gifts and, 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 and helping plug you into a small group. So that's a huge, valuable piece of our church as well. So man, God is blessing in incredible ways. And then another kind of bittersweet uh, leadership change uh, this year is uh, Randall Pickens. Randall, if you'll come on out. Uh, Randall Pickens has been serving as an elder for three years. And so our elders do a three-year stint. And uh, hey, man. Thanks for coming out and being with us today. And uh, man, I just appreciate so much your ministry, Randall, and just your heart for me, holding me accountable to the vision of this church, the doctrine of this church, and to the resources, the financial resources of this church. And so you've done an incredible job. You care about me. I feel it. I love you. And um, man, I'm, I'm really excited about what God has done in his life. Thoughts you'd like to share with the folks today? Yes, I just want to mention what a privilege and honor it is to um, see God work at this church at such close range, okay? We have a wonderful staff, a wonder, wonderful group of, of volunteers. But what I want to mention to you is that church growth is not the goal. Church growth is an outcome of the mission, okay? The mission is to make disciples of Christ, okay? And because of that, you're witnessing a lot of growth, okay? And that means we all need to be total package, all right? We're going to need more help with the children's ministry, okay? We're going to need more volunteers, all right? We're going to need more folks who are willing to lead small group. If you're not in a small group, you need to get involved. It'll change your life forever, okay? The other thing that'll change your life forever is tithes and offerings. Pastor Trent just teached a great 
series uh, last month or last few weeks about tithes and offerings. Did a great job. That will change your life. You will not regret it. You will wish you had started earlier. I promise you that. Okay. The other, there's another group of people I want to talk to, uh, to, and it's those folks who have possibly been hurt, okay, in a church, all right? I'm one of those folks, okay? By, if you've been hurt in a church and you're not involved because of that, by your standards, I shouldn't even be standing up here right now, okay? Because I decided after processing what happened, I didn't want to be a casualty, Okay, and I wanted to get back involved. All right, and here's what I had wrong is that I was basing my relationship with God on all these relationships. Okay, what you have to have right first is this relationship work as if for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance. It is the Lord God whom you serve. All right, when you get that, when you get that. All this starts working out, okay? And if you still have a hard case, then you got coping skills for it, okay? It will work out, I promise you, all right? So get involved, okay? God's about to take this church to the next level. Get involved. Don't be a bystander. Don't be a casualty. Be on mission, okay? Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Randall. Appreciate it. Awesome. <clears throat> Yeah, super proud. He was one of the original guys at the school that came over here with us, and his, his wife Pamela and, and, and their hearts have just been phenomenal. And so uh, we're going to keep him close uh, as we move forward. So, man, I could talk all day about what God has done the last year, but uh, I want to spend the rest of our time today really focusing and thinking through the future, like the vision and the direction of, of where we believe God is taking us. And so um, a, a couple of things as we, as we jump in. Go ahead and grab your Bibles and go to Luke chapter 12. I'm sorry, Luke chapter 14, verse 12. As you're going there, um, uh, several, several things that are coming down the, the way this, this year, this spring, I, I want to mention, first of all, some sermon series. We're going to dive back into the Gospel of John starting next Sunday, and we've been in the Gospel of John for over a year and a half now, and uh, continue to go chapter by chapter, and it's such a blessing that just to go uh, right through a, a certain book and just capture everything that God uh, would want us to gather, and so we're going to finish that. Easter is going to be John chapter 20, and so all of you guys know John 20 is the, is the resurrection, and so great timing. And uh, then from there, we're going to go to a family series, so marriage, family, parenting, all that kind of stuff. It's called, it's called As For Me and My House, and so uh, that's going to be a, a great opportunity for us just to grow families and, and uh, leaders, men, um, spouses, all that great stuff. And if you're single, that's going to be a great series for you as well as you think through you know, that in your life as well. It's going to all culminate into May 20, 21st, our marriage conference. So a little different this year. We're usually doing that in February. This year we're going to do that in May. And so um, as we do that, Paul Tripp is coming here. Again, I've, I've talked about him. Amazing. Uh, registration opens February 1st. You got you to gotta register the first two weeks because after those two weeks, I'm going to open it up to the whole like, um, world, <laughs> you know, our community. And uh, so these seats are going to get taken. This place is going to be packed. It's going to be an incredible uh, weekend. He's so, he, he's so popular. So uh, you're not going to want to miss that. It's 20 bucks a person. There will be child care. Uh, so whether you're single or you're married, this is for you. If you're thinking about potentially one day getting married, uh, single folks, you're not going to want to miss this as well. So awesome, awesome experience. Um, this summer, we're going to start a series entitled Focus. So how do we focus in the midst of trial? How do we focus in the midst of problems in our life? 
And so by, by, by answering that question, we're going to go through the book of 1 Peter uh, this summer. So that's going to be incredible. I think we're going to learn a ton and grow a lot during that season as well. Pastor Brant mentioned Man Night. That's coming up this Friday. Men, we're, we're, we want to gather you and, and we want to equip you, we want to challenge you. Uh, out of this, we're going to do some Bible studies. We're going to get some, some other smaller groups taking place. So don't miss this. Uh, Her Night, which is just for ladies, is coming in April, um, April 22nd. So uh, put that on your calendars and radar as well as we continue uh, to move forward. You'll hear more about that. Easter this year is going to be at the Clayton Center. So we're going to go back to the Clayton Center. It's the biggest place for us. We're going to do two services, and uh, it's going to be a phenomenal, phenomenal day. Start, start promoting that. Start encouraging folks to attend that. That's going to be, again, I think an incredible day. We're going to see a lot of people make decisions to follow Christ. Um, night of worship. We're going to do another night of worship, do another recording. That's going to be March the 4th. And so uh, I know a lot of you guys are pumped about that, excited about that. Uh, our, our last album just made such a huge impact. And so expect the same thing to happen. And so um, all of these things kind of coming down this spring. So a lot is taking place. So many other things going on that you can get connected to. So many other things that you could benefit from if you'll engage. And, and so as we think about um, our process, as we think about this year and where we are as a church, I wanted to go to Luke 14. Jesus tells a parable here, beginning in verse 12, about this messianic banquet that changes everything. And so I want to read it. This is a parable that Jesus tells. A parable is a story Jesus tells that has a point. And the, the, not every parable is like this, but this particular parable, the people in the story actually represent uh, somebody, a, a specific person. And so remember that as we move through this. Let's start. Actually, let's jump on down. Um, let's start in verse 16. But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field, and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have, uh, I've, I've married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry, and he said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done. And still there is, everybody say that word with me. Still there is room. And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be, what? Filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. See, the parable that Jesus is telling is very compelling here. He's saying that there is a messianic banquet here. The Messiah has come. He's invited guests to come and to sit down and to eat with him. And what this banquet represents is now that mankind has a way to have eternal life through God's son, Jesus. So Jesus is saying it's now through me that you can come and eat. Coming and eating is salvation. It's experiencing the presence of God. And so it's filling up the kingdom of heaven. And he says, I invited him. And he's, he's referring to all the religious elite, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all these Jewish religious elite. He says, I invited them, but they all made excuses. Instead of coming to eat, instead of coming and experiencing this, they all made excuses. They made three excuses. The first excuse was, hey, I've got too much, I have too many possessions. 
He said, I've, I've, I've bought some land here, and I've got to go, and I've got to take care of this land. I've got to do some things, so please excuse me. I'm too busy. So his excuse revolved around his property, and so his possessions is what I'm saying. And some of us in the room are kind of making that same excuse to Jesus. Jesus, I would you know, give it all to you, man. I would, I would love to serve you. I'd love to you know, break down all these walls and barriers that I have. I'd love to give you everything, but, but I've got so much you know, going on with my possessions. I've got this stuff I've got to take care of. I'm so busy with this. I'm so busy you know, going to work so I can pay for this stuff that I just don't have enough time. The first excuse was about, I've got too much stuff. The second excuse, he said, I've got you know, some oxen I've got to go take care of. And so the oxen kind of represent his livelihood because it's through the oxen, you know, the, the animals that they were able to be a farmer and take care of their land. And he's got to go to work, essentially. So he says, Jesus, thanks for the invite, but I'm a little too busy with work. I got so much going on. I've got so many things that are, that are kind of, you know, pulling me, pulling my strings to do this and to do that. I've got too much going on at work. And so they, they use work as an excuse. And then the third excuse was a relational excuse. The guy said, hey, I'm married. I got, I got this new wife and, you know, I've, I've got to take care of her. She doesn't want me out, you know, late, whatever. So I got to go, whatever. So the idea here is that it's a relational component in his life that's keeping him from serving Jesus with everything in his heart. And that happens, doesn't it? There's a spouse in the room that's keeping the other spouse from really giving everything to Jesus. There's a spouse in the room that, that doesn't want to commit and the other spouse wants to commit. And so there's this tension in your relationship. You've got this relationship that's holding you back from giving it all to Jesus. Some of you are dating somebody that just simply doesn't care about the Lord. And so that bad relationship is, is leading you away from Jesus, not to Jesus. It's probably time for you to walk away from that. You see, some of you have kids, and that relationship with kids takes priority over your relationship with Jesus. And so you, you know, you're, you're so busy serving your kids and doing things for your kids, which is a great thing, but, but never at the expense of serving Jesus. I've got to take my kids here. I've got to do that. I've got to do this, Jesus. I'd love to help. I'd love to be involved. I'd love to you know, come to the banquet. But at the end of the day, I've got too much going on with my kids, and so I don't have enough, I don't have enough time. And I think Jesus' point here in telling the story is that there is nothing, zero zip, nothing that should take priority over giving him everything, over prioritizing everything in our life to give him precedence over everything. No excuse is valid. And so then Jesus continues here. After the excuses, he says, okay, I want you to go. I want you to go to the alleyways and the streets. I want you to bring the crippled, the lame, essentially the uneducated. And so they go out and they do that. And so in, in the same way, Jesus is like, he's, he's like calling fishermen, uneducated fishermen, He's, he's healing the blind, the lame, all these people, and all these people are being added to the kingdom. These are all the common average people. And they go in and they do that, and then they say, okay, we've done that. But there's still room. There's still room. And so Jesus says this in verse 23. Look at it again. The master said to the servant, go out into the highways and to the hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. That final call there is good news for you and I as Gentiles. Because the final call there, the religious elite rejected him. All the common, you know, you know, what we would call rejects of the day said yes to him and came and ate. And then the offer was given to us as Gentiles to come in and eat with the Messiah, to come in and receive salvation. And Jesus said, I want you to go to the highways. I want you to go to the hedges because my house needs to be filled. My house needs to be filled. Everybody take a look around here. This is a pretty filled room, I guess. Some, not, not too much elbow room. You see, he wants us, he, he's happy. He wants this place to be filled. 
You see, a lot of us, though, we, 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 we don't understand that, like, when we go to the highways, we go to the hedges, he's, like, saying, go down 411, you know, run down 321, Pellissippi, to compel people to come in, because I want this place to be filled. He's saying, I want you to go to the hedges. That just simply means, the Greek actually just means country roads, the back roads. So go down Montvale. Be careful, though. You know, it gets a little sketchy out there. <laughs> go down Old Glory, you know, topside. You know, go out into the highways and the back roads. Why? To compel people to come in. To compel people to come into God's house, God's kingdom. Like this building is not God's house, by the way. This is, not, this is just a building where God's people come to worship him. And so the idea for us is like, we want to add people into the kingdom of God. God's kingdom is his house. And we do that very effectively here by bringing them into this place. So we fill this place. They hear the gospel. You invite them. They come. They hear the gospel. They receive Jesus. You go, you go out to the highways. You go out to the, to the back roads and you share your faith. You talk about what God has done in your life. People accept Christ. God's kingdom is filled. You see, we have room. We need to make room. And Jesus doesn't want us to make excuses. He wants us to make a difference. He wants us to stop making excuses and to start filling up his house. That means we, you and I, have to do our part in inviting and, and engaging the mission that God has given to us here at FC. Some people say, Trent, we have plenty of people. We don't need any more people. Jesus would say, there's plenty of room. Jesus would say, make room and I'll send you more. Some people would say, Trent, we need to do, you know, we just need to take care of our own. We can't take care of our own. How can we get any more? Well, to that I would say, absolutely, we've got to take care of our own. So we, 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 we've got to take care and grow and love on the people that we have, but never, listen, never at the expense of letting people go to hell. Why is it always an either or in the church? It's got to be a both and. And so we're never going to stop reaching people with the gospel. We're never going to stop talking about it. We're never gonna stop pursuing that. We're never gonna stop saying, hey, we need to open up space. We need to open up room so more people can hear the gospel, so more people can be transformed. We have to fill this place up. This is part of what it means to make disciples. When you make disciples, they mature in such a way that they realize that, oh, I've gotta share my faith, and so I'm gonna go talk to somebody about Jesus, help them grow in Jesus, and oh, that means they're gonna come to our church. And then when they grow, they're gonna go do the same thing. So that is a very healthy thing. You see, healthy churches grow. Healthy things in general grow. Think about it. If you've got a healthy plant, it's gonna grow. If it's unhealthy, it'll, it's not gonna grow. If you've got healthy children, they're gonna grow. If you've got a healthy church, the natural byproduct of that is, is growth. Now, it doesn't talk about how fast it is or you know, there's inward growth. There's also numerical growth. We could talk about that. But at the end of the day, if we're healthy, we're going to grow. And as we grow, that means people are sharing their faith and people were coming to know Christ. We were able to see 148 people baptized this year. That's incredible. People saying yes to Jesus, people following Jesus in baptism. Now the, 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 the deal is to help them grow in such a way that they'll bring their friends so that their friends can experience Jesus in that same way. You see, we've got three services. Last, last Sunday, because of the weather, we went to two, and we were reminded why we have three last week, because it was slammed. And so today, you know, second service, by the way, this is our most crowded service. And so if you're like a guy that likes elbow room, then I recommend, you know, checking out the first service, checking out the third service. There's a little bit more elbow room. You see, <clears throat> when you go, um, you know, to the movies, elbow room is nice, right? Um, well, I, I went with a group of guys a few weeks ago. We went to a late movie, you know, 
wives, you know, go to bed and kids go to bed and we go to a super late movie. And, and so, like, um, we, we got there and we showed up and the movie theater was just slammed, packed. So I, I, I hate packed movie theaters, you know. So I, I need some elbow space and some room and whatnot. And so, so we all looked at each other and, ah, let's go to the next one. So it was already late, but we said, we'll wait another 20 minutes. So we were willing to, you know, waste some more time. And then we also had to pay more because it was like the digital experience, you know. So we had to wait and pay more. But we walk into this place, and it's beautiful. You know, the local one here, it's amazing. So you walk in, it's like nobody there. That's a great feeling, isn't it? It's a great feeling when nobody is there, and you can sit down and spread out. There's like six or seven dudes. And so we all go in there, and we sit, we sit down. And, and man, oh, man, I got my popcorn. I got my Coke. I'm ready to stretch out in the leather, you know, ready to lean back. Pastor Greg walks in, walks, sits right next beside me. God, what are you doing, man? Get out of here. Y'all need some elbow room. Why? Elbow room is awesome when you go to the movies. When, it, when, it, when, it's, when it's entertainment, space is it's a good thing. In God's church, not such a good thing. Not such a good thing when there's space. Because I believe heaven and hell are a reality. I believe that there are thousands of people in our community who don't know Jesus, who, who will die and will go to hell if you and I don't engage the process. If you and I don't get serious about what God is doing here. You know, if you and I, you know, don't do what it takes to open up space, to open up room, if we don't do that, we're going to miss the opportunity that God has given to us. We're going to miss the opportunity to make a difference. And listen to me, if you forget that vision, the vision of making disciples, making room, engaging the process, if you neglect that vision, you will complain and criticize the wrong thing. If you don't get the vision, and I, I get this all the time, like I know there are certain people that I will listen to when they come to me and they, that there's a problem and there's a, there's a criticism because I know they're engaged in the vision. They've experienced making disciples. They're doing that. But I can always tell about a complaint by somebody who doesn't get it, who doesn't get the vision because they complain about the wrong thing. They complain about parking. They complain about traffic. If you're not connected to the vision, those things are easy to complain about. They'll complain about not having enough space in the auditorium. They'll complain about, you know, you know, all the new people. I liked it when it was just a, you know, a small little deal and everybody just kind of talked. and No, no, no. You'll complain about the wrong thing if you don't get the vision. You'll make excuses. You'll, you'll complain about the wrong thing. And I, I believe what he's telling us here is we've got we've to focus our minds. We've got to get excited and passionate about making room and then filling that room. And look, in, in, our, in our world, like the last six years of our church, Every time that we have created space, God has filled it. We were in a school, people came. We came to this building, more room, people came. We were in one service, that filled up, went to two services. Built this, came back to one services, one service, God filled that, went to two services. And then last year, we broke up into three services. See, I have no doubt, as we continue to be faithful to the vision, as we provide more space, God will bring more people. And so we have to be committed to the process. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 and 16. It'll be on the screen. Paul says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time, because the days are evil. Whew. Ain't that the truth? Days are evil, aren't they? Just watch the news. Days are more evil than I think we've ever seen. There, there are two words that the, the Greek language had for time. The word keros and the word chronos. The word keros simply meant an opportune moment, a small window of opportunity. 
that had to be seized upon to experience. The other word just simply meant a, a specific time in the day. So in this verse, he's using that first word here, that, that, that idea that God will give you an opportune moment, an opportune time. It's a small window, and because the days are evil, you've got to walk wisely. You've got to take advantage of that short window that he gives you. We're only here for a very short, small season of life, and God has given this church a very special, unique opportunity to experience something that a lot of people never get to experience in church, to experience something that, that we're kind of on the ground level of just now kind of touching the surface. And so much more is in our future. So many other great things God has prepared for us. But it's today we've got to walk wisely in these evil days and take advantage of this window, this opportunity, this special moment that God has given to you and I. So we've got to move forward. And so I'm going to give you a few things today that are going to help us move forward. I'm going to ask you as church members, partners, attenders to do. All right, and the first one is commit. I'm asking you to commit to this church. I'm asking you to stop making excuses and to start committing to the life that God wants you to embrace by engaging in the process here at Foothills Church. Commit. Some of you are attenders, and that's great, and I'm encouraging you to go from an attender to a partner. So that's going to mean base camp. That's going to mean finding out the vision. That's your next step. You know, we've got to commit from just, you know, somebody that just is here and like this is Trent's church and really begin to take ownership of this church. I don't care if you've been here six months or six years. If you're a partner, you've committed yourself, then, then, then you take ownership of this ministry. This is your place. This is your church. Like, we, we want to see it grow. We want to see God do something special here and unique here. And so, so be a part of it and, 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 and become an owner and become a partner here and, and, and do what God is calling you to do, we've got to commit. The second thing we've got to do is we've got to connect. So it's not just enough to attend. We've got to actually connect to the process. We've got to connect relationally. That means getting involved in a small group. That means connecting in ministry so that, so that you're part of the life of the church. And, and so that's a huge part. The, the scripture says in Ecclesiastes chapter four that two are better than one. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. Why? Because we can do more together than we ever could on our own. And so guys, dudes, if you are not like connected to other godly men, you're at a disadvantage in your Christian walk, in your life. There's so much more you could be experiencing if you had some godly men in your life like encouraging you and challenging you. Some of the depression, some of the, some of the feelings of failure in your life, God would heal and take out of your mind and take out of your life if you just begin to engage in the process. We've got to connect. The third thing I encourage you to do is discover. So as a church... I want to encourage you to discover who you are. Like, oh, I know who I am. No, no. I want you to stop this understanding of your identity based on what you do and based on who's in your family. You see, your identity has to be found in Jesus. And so Jesus created you for a purpose. Psalm said that he, he, he created us. He knitted us together in the womb of our mother. He has a plan and a purpose for our life. You've got to discover what that is. Now, this is your job. I know a lot of churches, people expect the pastor to like walk them through everything and you know, the pastor should do this and should do this for me to help me grow. Bro, you're a grown man. Like take responsibility for your life and initiative. Discover who you are. You're just kind of walking around aimlessly and, and, and you know, you've, you've got a job that pays the bills, but you don't know who you are. You're not living through what the purpose that God has given to you. So the challenge for you is you've got to discover that. That's part of what it means to follow Jesus. Discover who you are. It's what Camp 2 is, is, is provided to help you with. It goes through like your design, your gift set, your experiences, your personality, all these things. 
We try to help you understand who you are. God will show you who you are, but you gotta engage the process. The final thing I would call you to do is to serve. So it's not just enough to attend, it's not just enough to join, it's like find a place to serve. First Peter says it like this, First Peter 4, verse 10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received. <laughs> Why? To serve others. As faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. See, the idea here is we, 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 yeah, we discover because God has given us gifts. We discover those gifts and then we serve. We serve in those ways. We serve others. A lot of us have gift sets that we're using for our own personal gain. You're successful at, at work. You're a great leader at work. God has gifted you in that way. But you're not using those gift sets for ministry. You're not using those gift sets to, to make disciples. And so the call for you is like discover who you are, discover how you can be equipped to do that, and then to begin to serve. And when we do this, just like John 15 tells us, as we engage that process, we bear fruit. As we connect to Jesus, we bear fruit. If we're disengaged, we're disconnected from him, we will not bear fruit. And now listen, I say all this not because we want to be the biggest church in the, in the country or the biggest church in the city. That's never been the goal. The goal has never been to be the best church either. There are a lot of good churches in this area, tons. We're not trying to be the best church. But I would like to be the church that when you're having a conversation at work or at Starbucks and somebody's talking about the struggles that they have in their life, I would like to be the church where you say, dude, you should come to my church. You should experience what's happening at, at Foothills Church because God is moving there. God is transforming lives and I mean, God could change your life. You should come to our small group. You should experience this. I'm just telling you, God's got more for you than what you're going through. See, that's the kind of place I wanna be. And I wanna be at a place that, that actually makes a difference in the community, that actually is, is changing lives. And so far, I believe God has done that, but I, I believe we just scratched the surface on what God wants to do. And so my question for you is, are you willing to engage? Are you willing to engage the process? You see, the reality is if you don't engage the mission, then you're gonna be critical of things that don't matter. If you're not gonna engage in the process, listen, you're never gonna grow. And I guarantee if we had time to go around the room today and talk about the situations that we're going through, like discipleship is a process, we're all in this process, and we would all probably say, God, I do want you to grow me, I do wanna be you know, closer to you, but I wish you wouldn't have done it this way, right? We all probably would say that. I wish you wouldn't have done this. I wish it had been more like this. But listen, you can't choose what God takes you through. You can't choose what that process looks like. So stop avoiding God, stop running from that, and embrace and engage the process that God has, has put before you. This, this is your reality. That doesn't mean that you're gonna hold, you're gonna let that reality hold you back. You're not gonna let pain from a past experience hold you back from what God wants you to be today. You're not gonna let that old, old wound, or you're not gonna let that old pain keep you from experiencing all that Jesus wants you to experience today. Don't let those people define who you are today. Don't let those people define your future. You've gotta focus on the reality that this is where you're at, but God has so much more for you. You gotta serve, you gotta discover, you gotta commit. And as you do embrace that process, he draws you closer to him. And as we do that, man, I believe that we really experience life to the fullest. Now, there's one little word that keeps us from doing this. You know what that word is? Two letters. It's the word if. 
That little word if scares us to death. That little word if, what if, you know, brings so much fear into our life. Sometimes it, it, it really paralyzes us to, to do anything. That word if stands at the door, guarding your hopes and your dreams, telling you, no, 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 you can't come in, man. We're not gonna open that door. What if this happens? And what if that happens? Man, that'll be terrible. And we let that run through our minds. You see, that little word, if, as long as that exists, though, there's hope. There's hope of transformation. What if you engaged? What if you said yes? What if you said, you know what, we're gonna give God control? What if you said, I'm gonna stop making excuses here, whether it's work, whether it's relationships, whether it's all my possessions, and I'm really gonna wrap all those three things together and say, God, it's all yours. It really is all about you, God. And so, so I'm gonna commit it to you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna lay it down before you. See, that word, if, is a powerful word. You can accomplish all that God has called you to accomplish if you're willing to sacrifice for it. God's called you to be a teacher, a businessman, business leader. If God's called you to be a doctor, if God's called, whatever he's called you to do, you can do it if you engage the process. You're willing to make the sacrifices necessary. We can experience what God wants us to experience in this church if we are willing to engage the process and to make the necessary sacrifices to make it happen. You see, the vision will never change. The vision can't change. The vision is given to us by Jesus Christ and the Great Commission. Go and make disciples, right? And so we've, we've got to be about the business of filling up his house. Our church leaders um, spent some time, our staff, a few weeks ago, spent a couple of hours, and my question to them was, you know, what's keeping us from, from accomplishing the vision? What's keeping us, what's holding us back? And so we spent two hours writing as many things as we could down on little sticky notes. We put it on the board, you know, all these sticky notes everywhere, and then we started to organize them and try to find commonality and some, you know, where, where are we seeing some things lining up here? And there are two things that came to the surface that, that we want to focus and commit to you this year. And so the first thing, I want to share two things, and then the third thing is like something that's always been on our mind for the last couple of years. We know this is true as well. But the first thing is, we, we all looked around and we said, we've got to focus more on equipping our volunteers. So we, we talked about what that looks like. We've had several great strategy meetings. We're, we're thinking through what does that look like? How, how do we equip our volunteers better? How do we train you to do what we're asking you to do better? And, and, and so there are several things that, that I think will encourage us and help us to do this. But one of the obstacles of making this happen is, is our, our focus. One, one of the obstacles is like, is, is like our calendars. We can have all the trainings that we can and, and, and all the things that we could do. But if you don't come, if you don't engage, we can make the journey you know, as, as great as it is now. We could make it even better and we could make it awesome, you know, even better, the best in the world but you still gotta engage it. You still gotta make it a priority. And so for us, that's a heartbeat of ours right now. Like we wanna, we wanna figure out and, and, and do even better. Like how can we equip our volunteers and help them accomplish what God is, is doing in their life? The second thing that we said is we, we wanna disciple our people. We wanna disciple our people. What does that look like? How do we take them from point A to point B? How are small groups doing that? How is the journey doing that? And so all of these things, like we are, we're wrapping our minds, like we want to embrace this. We want you to embrace this process to help you grow, to help you become a mature follower of Jesus Christ. So to do that, the journey, a lot of good changes for the journey. Camp two is now a three-week class. We're gonna offer that in about a month. 
to help do it better. Camp three is gonna be a seven week course. Excited about how that's gonna flesh out this year. Encouraging you guys to be a part of that as we, as we move forward. You know, small groups is, is, is the lifeblood of our church. It's where we make connections. It's where we, we dive in deeper. We, we, we need you to connect. If you wanna grow, that's like, that's like the way for you to connect. But not only that, like some of you moms and dads, you've got teenagers and, and there's some, some barriers there maybe because of schedules that, that you, you've not maybe made a priority of getting your teenager in a small group. So I get it, I get it. It's like four o'clock on Sunday afternoon, man, that's kind of difficult. Some of you have small groups, so it's like, oh, I gotta take my kid to their small group, then I gotta pick them up, then I gotta take them to my group. Look, I get it, I've got four of them. So <laughs> I know what it feels like to be a chauffeur. It's never easy, but here's what I do know. I do know that somehow, magically, throughout the week, we're able to take our kids to practice on Monday, a game on Tuesday, practice again on Wednesday, practice again on Thursday, have a game on Friday, Saturday, and sometimes Sunday afternoon. And sometimes we find a way to make that work, right? Usually we make that work. So why is it that when it comes to their spiritual health, we buck up against the system? Well, I'll tell you why. Because the enemy knows that that small group potentially could change your son or daughter's life. So see, for me, I, this is what I did for years, right, as a student pastor. And I, as a matter of fact, the guy that I just hired, Taylor Knight, he was in my small group when he was a smelly sophomore. <laughs> Bro smelled. He was seriously, like, I don't know what it is about freshman, sophomore guys, but that's why they use so much ax, I guess. I don't know. We love you guys. We're working through it. <laughs> Every Sunday afternoon, Taylor's in my house. Open up God's word, talking about Jesus. God's changed his life. Not because of me. I was a very small part of that, you know, small group leader. He's a pastor for a while. So many other people invested in him. Ultimately, God did it. But I'm thankful for that season of life that I was there for him. Your, your son, your daughter, they need that same person in their life. They're going to say the same things that you will say, but your kids aren't going to listen to you. <laughs> but they're going to listen to their small group leader. So we've got to engage this process. We've got to connect. We've got to connect in our small groups. As adults, we've got to connect as, as teenagers and our children as well. The bottom line for today, engage the process. What would it look like if you seriously stopped making excuses and committed your life to Jesus in this church? Here's the third thing that I want to share with you. The third thing you've kind of heard me saying for a while now, and mainly today as well, is that we've got to provide space. <clears throat> We've got to provide space. This service is packed. You like elbow room, go to the first or third service. That's going to help you out. It's actually going to help us grow. We need space for parking. I, my gut feeling today is that parking was probably a little frustrating for some of you. You know, finding the spot, parking in the grass or whatever. We need to provide space so we can park a car. <laughs> we need to provide space so that we don't have to do three services and we can kind of, kind of shorten those services or, or combine those services we need to prepare ourselves to focus on vision in such a way that, that we're propelling ourselves for the next 20 years, not just the next year. So, this, so, so when I say provide space, obviously we've got to buy land, we've got to provide an auditorium so that we can for the next 20 years be, be set, you know? And not only that, but we need to provide space for our kids because when we get out of here and we go to the, to the next auditorium, then this space becomes our kids' street. Now they have plenty of space, you know? And as we begin to, uh, uh, as we can afford to remodel in the future, this is going to set them up for success. So we've got to provide more space. Now the opposition, obviously, is the financial commitment. So that's why, part of the reason why we talked about it the last several weeks. We need our people to mature in their stewardship and give. 
We had somebody give to invest this, you know, about a month or so ago, several thousand dollars. And I'm like, man, that's what, it, that's what it's going to take. It's going to take two or three people, you know, giving, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50,000 dollars. It's going to take everyone in this room committing to the vision to actually begin to, 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 to be faithful in that. So it's going to take. And so the bank has said, yeah, Trent, let's go. We'd be glad to do this. Let's, let's, let's run with it. And our leaders are like, well, let's just wait and let's just see what our people do. Because as a leader, I never want to outpace the, the commitment of my people. Now, I like to run and gun, and I, I can be too far in front. And so this is one of those cases where we've had to say, you know what, we've got to draw back. We don't want to get too far ahead of our people. We don't want to get too, head, too far ahead of, of their willingness to commit and embrace the vision. And so that's where we're at. We're waiting. We're waiting to see what God does in you. Some of you have the gift of generosity. Some of you have the, the gift of making money, so you've got plenty of it, and, and God's giving you that burden, and, and maybe you haven't given yet. And what would it look like if you engaged and, and you just were obedient, you gave whatever number God said, I want you to give? What if you engaged and committed? What if you engaged financially? What if you engaged and began to, to, to actually experience what God wants us to experience today? Here, here's what we've been working on for the last couple of years. All right, guys, go ahead and show this. If we engage the mission financially, this is what our church could be experiencing uh, about a year from now. Isn't that awesome? Outdoor seating, pretty sweet entrance there that you'd be able to see for miles. This is the foyer, huge open space, cafe, where we'd be able to continue to connect relationally, grab a bite to eat, have some coffee before we come into the service, right? Bookstore there. That's actually our baptistry with a cool little water deal. How awesome would that be? Now going into the auditorium, 1,200 seats so that we could provide the space so that we'll let God fill up these seats and we'll compel people to fill this up to hear the love of Jesus and to be transformed by the Holy Spirit. A very cool, just kind of very intimate setting. You know, how the seating arrangements are makes it feel very intimate even though it's a larger facility. Again, cafe, lobby space. Now some of you are like, bro, what's the, what's the baptistry doing in the lobby? You know, what is that? Let me tell you, again, if you don't understand the mission, if you're not engaged in the vision, then sometimes you'll criticize the wrong things. So here's what we experience, you know, when we have a baptism in the auditorium, it's dark, there's, there's this formality, there's this, you know, spotlight, and, and then there's this whole formal process, you know? And so we just started having these conversations. What would it be like to like do baptisms in a relational way? So it would be cool to do like, like baptisms with family around, taking pictures and hugging each other and laughing. And wouldn't it be awesome to be like in a more intimate setting and not so formal? Yeah, well, man, let's just put the, let's put the baptistry in the lobby. That way it could be like this family group coming together and hugging and high-fiving. And, and oh, by the way, because of technology, we can video it and stream it right into the auditorium so we don't miss it either. But moms and dads, husbands, spouses, you can all experience that moment in a really relational, intimate way. See, when you get it, then it kind of makes sense. And it's like, bro, that would be pretty sweet. What would it look like if everyone in this room decided that they were going to engage? Decided that they were going to say yes to the next generation? Decided that they were going to say yes to generosity? Decided that they were going to say yes to actually engaging the process that God wants us to experience here. Last Sunday was pretty awesome, I'll, I'll have to tell you. 
67 people turned in a card last week and said, I'm going to start giving a percentage. 67 different people. That's not like a husband and a wife and then their kids. It's like 67 different people. Another 68 families said, we're going to give more to invest. We're going to give more to, you know, what, what we believe God is calling us to. So we're going to continue to give our percentage and we're going to give to invest. Now listen, if those 140 some odd people really do that, what we just saw is going to be a reality by Easter next year. No doubt. So for us, like we want, like this is it. Are we going to engage the process? Today is the first day that we are going to like step into that commitment. So if you didn't give today, if you haven't done that online, I encourage you to do that. Use the offering baskets in the back as you leave. You see, here's the reality. When we engage the process, when we engage God's mission, when we give generously, it leads us to worship God. Because we say, what if God, if I do this, what if this, what if that? And he says, no, 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 trust me. This is what it means to be, you know, have faith. You're not gonna know all the answers. You're not gonna know how it's all gonna happen. So you gotta have faith And what if? But he says, trust me. So we step out in faith. When we step out in faith and we give and we serve and we commit, and it's like, God, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And then he provides financially. And then he blesses spiritually and he grows us in maturity. And we're like, oh my gosh, oh my God. Like this is what it's all about. Like I was scared and I didn't know and then God provided and I saw that and then he changed somebody's life and oh God, I, I get it now. It, it, it is all about you. It's not about me, God. It's, it's always been about you, but now I really get it. Now, I, now I've experienced it and, and now I can focus on what it is you want me to do. God, I want more of you. And when we get to that place, man, we step back and we see what he's done. We've seen how he's blessed. We've seen how he's grown us and we say, God, you are great. How great are you, God? How great is your faithfulness? How great are you, God? And so then all the sacrifice before that is like petty. All that is like, man, I would have done more. I would have given more. I would have done it so much sooner. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.